0: Coming to you live from Fayetteville, Arkansas, in the beautiful Appleby Business Center Studios, it's time for Northwest Arkansas Business Radio with Adam Robison. Good day, friends. My name is Adam Robison, and this is another episode of Northwest Arkansas Business Radio, the place where Northwest Arkansas professionals come to exchange ideas, learn from each other, and just see what a great place this is to live and to work and to really just build your life from. I love living up here. If you're up in Northwest Arkansas today, you've got a hot one outside. It's June, and it's uh, 102, and it's it's warm. Uh, so let's give you something to take your mind off the weather just a little bit. Uh, I'm here today with Brock Holland. Brock is a, a very successful entrepreneur who is the super power behind Fight for Your Sight. I'll let him explain what that is here in just a second. But Brock, we're excited to have you here at the studios of Northwest Arkansas Business Radio. Go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience and just tell a little bit about yourself.
1: Cool, man. Hey, I just want to say thanks first. Like I am super excited about Absolutely. this and I know that we talked before and you know how excited I am. Very excited. <laughs> um, so, so this is, this is really cool. This is really cool. So, uh, yeah, Brock Holland, uh, born and raised in Mountainburg, Arkansas. For those that are local here, it's a little town south of Fayetteville, uh, population around 700 people. And, and so I was, I was secluded. To put it, put it simply. Yeah, I bet so. <laughs> but it was, it was great. We had a great time, played in the woods a lot, played in the dirt a lot. Um, but, And eventually, um, growing up there, my dad ended up working a construction job that took him all over the country. Um, and because of that, we ended up homeschooling. It was me and my brother and we went, uh, into homeschooling and then just traveled with him. Um, he had a fifth wheel. And just went on the road and and started staying in different states and whatnot for weeks at a time.
0: So that's a pretty big sacrifice to make. I mean, most kids go to public school, they make friends, or or even homeschool, they're they're around to make friends. What was that like living life on the road?
1: Uh, yeah. So I remember the day that like mom and dad kind of sat down with us both and was like, "Hey, like it was kind of like, do you want to play baseball this summer or do you want to go travel?" Wow. And I How still old
0: were you? Do you remember?
1: Yeah, I was probably around. 12ish. Okay. Uh, maybe a little bit younger than that but right around that that age. Okay. Um, when it kind of became like a a, tr- a you know a, a decision point like sure. you know what are we going to do as a family, right? Um yeah, and I remember that and just being like, yeah, I mean I, I love sports but I think this is more important. Let's go. Hmm. That's cool. Uh, yeah, th- that's the way it worked out for us. And I, I know it didn't work out that way for everybody and and I make plenty of my own jokes about other people homeschooling. <laughs> <laughs> But well, easy now. I know, I know, I know. but I was there. I was there. So uh, overall, it worked out amazing for our family. I had an amazing experience. Um, it was good. It was great. Okay, fantastic. So uh,
0: Mountainburg, you go homeschool and start traveling around with your dad around twelve. Uh, then you end up going to the University of Arkansas, right?
1: Yeah, University of Arkansas Fort Smith. Um, graduated, you know, quote unquote, graduated high school. Uh, Seventeen, started university, a couple classes, and then went on full time. Um, from there, um, you know, with that introduction, um, ended up going to um, England, doing a volunteer for some ministry. for That's some, cool. Yeah, from, yeah, for a mission. Um, was over there, actually learned some Mandarin Chinese. Uh, wow. Yeah, to focus on um, people that are over there. They were studying and, yeah. and wanted to learn more about, you know, ministry and gospel and um, things like that. And then came back. And when I came back to university, I met the director of international relations there. uh, Takeo Suzuki still one of the best mentors I've ever had, but uh, he learned about my experience and was like, Hey, we need to talk Mm -hmm. and kind of pulled me into his office. um, Ended up working with him as um, kind of like as an intern in that office uh, part time while I was going to school, Um, got invited to um, kind of like a recruiting trip with the chancellor, the vice chancellor, couple deans. We went to Japan, South Korea, China, did this huge recruiting trip. And that was just like, I mean, you know, kind of huge for me for, uh, Oh, how old was I? Oh, 22, it'd be huge 21, for anybody. 22. Yeah. yeah. It's huge. What a great opportunity. Yeah. It was amazing. And then came back, um, uh, finished or continued working at the university, ended up working. Um, well f- yeah, finished my degree there. Last semester of that degree went back to China and did a study abroad, uh, for a semester, um, got a whole eye full and earful and a tongue full of stuff there and, um, had a great time and learned a ton and then came back and then worked full time in that office. My goodness. Wow.
0: Wow. Okay. So after you finish up your time at UAFS, what, where did you decide to go professionally?
1: Yeah. So UAFS, um, uh, finished up, I'd say finished up that job, like worked there, had to make a transition for my family, ended up working with ArcBest at the time. ABF is what they were called, uh, in third party logistics, essentially like, um, kind of yeah, running the trucks and the, and the brokerage side of things. Sure. Um, it was a, um, and, and uh, this isn't to try to like talk down anything. It's just the s- situation it was, but it was a cubicle job. Mm-hmm. I was on the phone all day, yeah. you know, and a computer is just a very different contrast from what I was doing at yeah. the international and relations. And some College.
0: people can do that for 40 years and be totally fine with it. For others, it drives them insane.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Sure. And I kind of ran into a wall. I, I attempted to transition that from that role at ABF into more like a talent acquisition type, role, okay. but, um, it didn't work out. Um, had some run-ins with my supervisor at the time and that kind of like put a bad taste in my mouth. And I was like, I don't know if this is for me or not anymore. But the good thing about all of that, uh, was that while I was there, uh, one of my clients was shipping in goods from China into the United States. And then we, what well, well, the part we were handling was getting it from the port to the Amazon warehouse. Okay. So I was managing his goods from getting there and getting into Amazon and those appointments and things. And uh, started talking to him more and, and learning to understand what Amazon FBA was, mm-hmm. what a third-party seller was on Amazon. Um, and at the same time, my brother was up here in Northwest Arkansas working for uh, a company doing online retail. And um, he was a, a front-end web designer. But in any case, he tells me, hey, hey, hey you should check this out. The, this company that he was working for is using the same type of robots that Amazon is using to pull goods from their warehouse wow. and to fulfill those orders. Mm-hmm. And started putting the two to two together. And I was like, well, I've got a client that's pulling that in. And then now you're telling me this is how Amazon is able to scale and basically, you know, continue to grow and, and manage such a scale. Start, they started introducing the two day shipping Mm -hmm. with their prime and so on and so forth. And so we went in together and, um, you know, researched a product, uh, vetted, uh, vetted a manufacturer in, uh, in China had, um, you know, prototypes sent over, checked it out, thought it was okay. Um, launched that product. Uh, we sold some of that product, but started having some inconsistencies with the quality mm-hmm. and things weren't, weren't working out. And then all of a sudden they couldn't fulfill my orders fast enough. And so we dropped them, found a new uh, partner, a new mm-hmm. manufacturing partner, went in with them. And then we I've been with that manufacturing partner ever since. And that wow. was um, 2017-ish, right at mm-hmm. the end of 2016, 2017. Um, and still have that product up today.
0: Wow so uh, how does that work does it when you go to find products do you look for other sites and then mark up or is this an original product that somebody's trying to get like kickstarted or what yeah
1: so there's a lot of different ways to play the Amazon game this spe- specific model is called a white labeling uh, model okay. and so you find products on Amazon that are selling well mm-hmm. um, and what I prefer to do what I found to be like the most effective method is you, you take that product and you decide, well, okay, how can I improve on this product? Okay. Um, you take those improvement ideas to the manufacturer and you get some prototypes sent over and you, you find that solution. And then that's the product you start selling, but under your brand.
0: I see. Right. Okay.
1: Now it's totally an option. You, you can find the products online uh, on Amazon. You can go to the, the manufacturer and sell the exact same thing with the exact same photos and mm-hmm. you can do that, but it's a much harder game because you're just competing against someone who has the exact same Sure. Thing. Sure, that so makes sense. Found that didn't work very well. Um so right there when we, you know, went into the Amazon game, um decided to to leave ABF to go into this full-time, um, we attempted to launch a second product, um was differentiated, uh, but and this is where I learned this lesson I learned, was differentiated, but it was still too familiar to what was currently on the market that ended up being oversaturated. Mm. And um basically broke even with that. That it didn't necessarily put a bad taste in my mouth, but through that whole process I was going through and I'm very much of a uh, people person. I I love to be connected with other people uh, face to face, Mm -hmm. have no problem presenting or, you know, speaking or anything like that and was really kind of questioning. I was like, is this the path that I want to be on? Um, So right around that time, this is, I'm trying to put the years together you know, in, you know, 2018 ish, um, probably end of 2017, 2018, I had an uncle-in-law that was running a digital marketing agency. Mm-hmm. And what that meant was that he was helping small businesses or local businesses, um, with their online presence, with, uh, online assets, whether it was websites or digital ads, uh, ranking websites. And so he said, Hey, you know, you've got some skills in the digital space let's, let's talk. Mm-hmm. And I ended up working with him um for about 18 months and working to help build that agency and really enjoyed the aspect of being able to be connected more with people um you know making a more impact a more direct impact like on a you know i say small business or just a local business mm-hmm. um instead of just you know taking a product and and putting it on the internet and people buying it and the only interaction i have with them is just whether if they left a review or if they had a complaint mm-hmm. right um you never i never got to know those individuals but so, um, that happened, worked with him, uh, like I said, for about 18 months, he ended up needing to go a different direction. And so that kind of left me with, um, also needing to go a different direction and I was working remote for him. So I was still here in Northwest Arkansas. And then I said, "Oh, Hey, maybe I could do the same thing, but here just like locally, just right. where I'm at. Um, so launched fight for your site at the end of 2019. Um, also just had my third child, a boy and, um, and then of course, 2020 hit and then the mm-hmm. pandemic hit. So had some clients uh, struggled all through basically 2020 um, trying to make this work. And then uh, at some point had to decide to, to shut it down and, and to make a change.
0: Yeah. So you said that uh, even when it comes to your uncle's digital marketing agency, you, you actually found yourself very interested in the copywriting side. Um, so uh, as you have set up fight for your site, Which is a fantastic name. Reminds (laughs) me of a classic Beastie Boys song, right? (laughs) Um, But uh, explain—you've explained the inspiration behind "Fight for Your Sight." What drove you to really uh, not only like but but focus on that copyright space?
1: Yeah. So this this came even back in the Amazon, you know, the Amazon stuff that I was doing. I the thing with me about digital marketing was i realized it's like yes everything is digital and therefore doesn't exist in this physical space mm-hmm. but the the connection is the words the mm-hmm. connection is what comes from basically you know human to human which yeah. is our language mm-hmm. right and so i learned that you know to succeed in amazon yes you had to optimize the product and and the product mattered but also the way that you portrayed that product, the things that you said about it, the the clarity of the information that you provided to the customers, and and how it would help their lives or how it would you know solve a problem essentially. Um, so that same that same skill transferred over into what I did with the agency with my uncle in law, um, in the same regard because we were trying to help you know a local business gr- create and gain trust with their potential customers and clients mm-hmm. so that they could get more business. Okay. And the only way you can do that is through communication and through language. Sure.
0: So when we were talking previously, you had said, uh, previous to Pressing Record, I asked you to describe Fight for Your Site, and you said we're a digital marketing agency focused on online client acquisition. Yeah. Correct? That's it. So when we talk about online client acquisition in today's landscape, what are some insights or uh, how important is that, not only for your business, but for businesses out there?
1: Yeah. So the situation that we're in, I say we, anybody that's trying to run, you know, a, a small business right now or, or just a local business or business in general, the, the situation we're in is that the online world has gotten so vast mm-hmm. that it takes so much effort um, and time and resources to be everywhere at once. Sure. And for some businesses, that's detrimental mm-hmm. for other businesses. That's what they need to do. But then it's a question of like, how do you manage that? Right. Um. So For me, what happens with a lot of small business, the question is like, where do we focus right now? Mm -hmm. Okay. And that could be a matter of, I should say, there's a lot of variables that go into the answer to that question and the variables being like, okay, what is this business right now? And what stage are they at? Mm-hmm. Uh, what products are they selling? Who are they trying to sell to, you know, products or services for that matter? Who are they trying to sell to? And then what is the demographic and the competition level around them? Wow. And, and when we say competition level, just, you know, if, if, um, if, if I was just use it, if you're an embroidery company, you probably don't have a lot of competition anymore that that industry is sure. changing. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, newspapers are are dying, but you know, you only have a few newspapers in the area, mm-hmm. but maybe if you're a plumber, for example, you got a lot of competition, right? Right. Uh, or if you're a digital marketer for that matter, you may have a lot of competition. Sure. Um, so you, when it comes to the online space and succeeding there, the, you know, the algorithms that we deal with. And I, I use that as a plural because it doesn't matter which platform you're, you're on. They all have their own algorithm. Sure. And in addition to that, they're all connected in some way or can be connected some way. Um, those algorithms are basing your you know the content that that business is putting out basing the credibility against others mm. and and against what else it's pulling from mm. okay. and and if if you're not let's put it this way google has one objective and that objective is to get the information that the searcher wants as fast as possible and as accurately as possible okay and so if a small business isn't putting that out there, Google isn't going to reward them. Sure. That makes sense. Exactly. So it's all about um, determining, so going back to the original part of your question, determining which avenue uh, or which platform um, that that business needs to focus their resources and time on. In order to navigate this landscape.
0: Okay, so so since November or December, I can't remember of 22, the the two letters that have had everyone in the online realm of buzz are AI, yep. right? Yep. Uh, even when we were talking before we went on on uh, the air we you mentioned AI, my ears perked up because it's something I'm super interested in right now. Uh, How does fight for your site utilize AI in writing and optimizing digital ads?
1: Yeah. So I'll say this, like, you know, AI has been around for a little bit longer than just the introduction introduction. Excuse me. (laughs) Introduction. My gosh. I
0: kind of like that word. Introduction.
1: (laughs) Inter, introduction <laughs>
0: introduction
1: of chat gtp which most or i mean that's chat what everybody pt right right and now bard with google and um, microsoft's got one i forgot what its name is but um this it's been around for a little bit and we've been using it a little bit right mm-hmm. but now we have open access mm-hmm. meaning that anybody that's got a computer can get on and utilize these tools to essentially make what tasks used to be complicated and would have taken days or weeks and put them into hours or minutes. Absolutely, Right. Absolutely. Um, and so it's being compared to the next internet essentially. Like mm-hmm. I know it's on the internet, so it's a little bit confusing, but what I'm trying to explain is that the utilization and the access we have to this tool and to this essentially like data and the communication of this data mm-hmm. is compared to what the internet was back in 2000.
0: Sure. Well, I mean, when you look at the the planned rollout of the internet, I mean, there were essentially, I think, three, maybe more uh, stages to the rollout. And I guess the AI technology through GPT mm-hmm. um, is just one of those next iterations
1: correct that
0: sounds right okay i may not be right but i think that's what i've heard on the news yeah and so and
1: i'm I'm not here to say that i'm a you know a language programming expert like at all (laughs) (laughs) not at all but what i know is that these tools are greatly impacting the the the, the whole you said the word landscape greatly Mm -hmm. impacting the whole landscape yeah so how do you guys utilize it right um one of the ways that's been the most effective. I mean, first the obvious way is is just in like writing. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, we can put together an, an article or a blog post, and uh, literally, you know, almost minutes instead of all that time. Mm-hmm. We we can utilize these tools to do the research for um, what's trending and what's most popular, and then like how to write that and and how that could connect with a potential reader. Okay. Um, so that's helpful. But then on the other side, with spe- specifically with digital ads, uh, we can use these tools to basically crunch data and crunch numbers in such a fast rate that it doesn't take as long for, um, for the system to figure out like what's going to be the most profitable it, when and at what times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, basically AI is pulling this data where we can write the ads more effectively. Right. But then also run the ads when it comes to the numbers, when it comes to the bids and the actual, like uh, the money we're spending on them to be more effective and more optimized um just so a, a business doesn't waste as much money Yeah. because in the past it, in the past there's this like testing phase mm-hmm. there's this phase where like hey we need to run these for a little bit of time so that our system can learn so that we can pull how people are responding to these how many clicks are coming on whatever keywords which keywords are being more responsive
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so a little bit of turning um a little bit of learning time but now we can utilize ai to basically crunch all that together and shorten that time frame wow. and just cut cut the amount of of money and time being used to get to that point very cool yeah
0: hey we're about 20 minutes into this podcast i feel like you've already answered the next question because you're so darn smart like (laughs) i'm just listening to all this knowledge pour out of you I'm curious uh, because in the Northwest Arkansas landscape, there are a a handful of digital marketing agencies and people have the choice to go wherever they want. What sets fight for your site apart from the others?
1: Um, I I would hope that this is one of the ways we're definitely going heavy into AI. Mm -hmm. We want to utilize that tool for the benefit of the business. Like um, I'm sure a lot of times this could be like misconstrued. It's like, well, you're just making your job easier. Well, the AI is not a silver bullet, right? Mm -hmm. AI, it's not like AI can do everything yet. I mean, this is only version four. If you go off of the, you know, chat GTP model or the, you know, open AI model. Um, but right now it still takes prompts from Mm -hmm. a human. Right. It still takes an understanding of what, let's just say like a business is trying to accomplish and interpreting that into the correct language so that the AI does the right thing. Mm. Okay. Um, so I, I just like, we're going heavy into that, but again, not with the intention of just trying to, you know, step away completely from the business. Like that's not going to happen right now. Right. Um, we're going heavy into it because we're trying to make their lives better. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so there's that side of it. And then the other side of it is just a, a taking like a very holistic approach and recognizing that one solution isn't right for every business, recognizing that. Um, different businesses have different goals, mm-hmm. um, based off of whatever level they're at. Some some businesses just need more phone calls. Sure. Some businesses need more brand recognition. Some businesses um, just need more presence all the way around, or maybe they need to be found in certain sites and certain places. Um, so that that a very heavy like consultation approach. So like let's sit down, let's see where your business is at, and let's create a strategy. Behind what you want to accomplish based off of where you're at, based off where your competition's at, based off of what you are wanting to do and to be. Wow. Great answer.
0: Great answer. So we've talked about the AI stuff a little bit. We talked about your education and and uh, and all of your adventures during the earlier point in your life. Where I'd like to settle, I think, for the rest of the conversation is just the journey of being an entrepreneur because we we spend a lot of time talking about that off air. Um, But uh, discuss some of the challenges that you faced as an entrepreneur, some that you overcame, some that maybe overcame you. Um, I'd really love to get into some real talk about yeah. what it means to be an entrepreneur.
1: Yeah. Um, one of the books I keep coming back to is called uh, the entrepreneur roller coaster mm. by Darren Hardy. Yeah. Um, and it, I think that's a great like image in someone's head is like, it it is a constant up and down and up and down. And that's the way it's been like really sp- literally for me with, with businesses like, yes, I still have this am- this one Amazon product uh, online, but it, it's not, like paying all my bills. Like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, well, if you think about just, you know, someone coming out of college, like, yeah, I got, I got a job out of college. Okay. We're up. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, um, this job did not work out. So I'm out of here. So now we're back down. Right. But but I launched my own business. Okay. We're up, but now we're not getting as many sales as we need to get. Okay. Let's launch another product. Oh, it didn't quite do what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. So very much. So it's a constant, there's so much that goes into it, like on an emotional level and a mental level. You're constantly fighting, essentially, the unknown. Wow! Constantly fighting the unknown, and sure. and I know, and I know that you don't want to get it completely into your story, but per you know, prior to this, mm-hmm. right? You were talking about uh, launching Business Radio X and and going into that, and and that w- when you sit down as a business owner and you're looking at essentially all the little things that need to be done, right? determining what it is that you need to focus on and when, Mm -hmm. um, and you know, what is priority now versus later, um, what can be pushed off and, and what just has to be done. Um, all of those things start to like weigh on you. And of course, then you have the whole, like, I made a decision. I went down that path and then it didn't work out the way that I wanted to do. (laughs) And so then you're completely regrouping and you're coming back and and you're rewriting your side, what do I do now? How do I pivot? Mm -hmm um and that happened again so you know i had that you know with with amazon um and then that happened again with the with the agency of course i was running with my uncle-in-law running an agency um things were things were going okay things were going well we ran into our our own walls there but point is like had to split from there then i was kind of left with well now what do i do and um so started my own agency well then of course you know Everybody can blame it on the pandemic, but I, I'm not going to put all of the credit on the pandemic. I mean, I had my own problems as to why I wasn't able to grow the way I wanted to grow mm-hmm. at that time. Um, yes, it contributed, but it wasn't the only factor. And so there you go, you know, back down again, um, ended up going to work uh, for a construction company um, for about a year and a half. That was the most recent thing that I that I did in that gap there. Um, managed over a hundred home builds during that time, uh, new home construction and and, and, I, and I bring this up because like in the, my entrepreneurial journey, like that would have been like a huge down, mm-hmm. right? Cause it wasn't my dream. It wasn't what I was actually like really wanting to do. Um, that being said, like I learned a ton about project management. Mm-hmm. I learned a ton about communication, especially business to business communication uh, with the trades and, and who we were working with um, time management. And and I, I go back to project management, but just like putting it all together and then multiple projects at a time. My point is like, even though that was a down, you know, with the entrepreneurial mindset, you're constantly like trying to figure out and understand like how I can improve and how I can do better and how I can take that and apply it as a positive to my life. Wow. What, whatever that is. Yeah. And, <laughs> And uh, you know it's easy. This is this this interview is easy for me. Like oh wow well, yeah, Brock has got this figured out. I I don't have it figured out mm-hmm. at all. I, I'm just trying to say like these are the things that we try to keep in our heads. But I've totally had those days where I've just sit there and watched YouTube videos for an hour or two hours for no good reason. Yeah. Other than just I was just you know you feel paralyzed. You're just like I don't know what I need to do right now, but I can't think. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, and so, you kind of like shut down, mm-hmm. and and then, then, then you try to pull it back together, and then you go again. There's something
0: incredibly uh, paralyzing about realizing that you don't know what you don't know yeah very difficult because you want to take off running you want to start going but then at the same time you think what if this effort's in vain what if i'm doing it wrong um there's a lot of things that come into play not to mention uh, things like imposter syndrome and people that that are really just struggling to fit in not not just their own skin but in a room full of people that are just trying to be on the same journey they are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. And I'm not going to sit here and, and say, and, and try to portray that. Like my agency is super successful. Like at this point, like I am trying to create success, but the point that I'm just like sitting here and trying to move forward and finding ways to solve these problems, like that is the entrepreneurial journey. Absolutely. Not, not having it all figured out, but like trying to find a solution to what needs to be figured out. Mm-hmm. Right. That's it. um, it's kind of it, like a big puzzle. It is, it is always, but it's a puzzle that always moves and there's always a piece missing. Yeah. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) it. Who loves doing a puzzle and they find out the piece is missing, that's what it is. Um, And then I had another thought a minute ago. I just read this the other day. And um, it was talking about sadness, and I, and I I bring this up because a lot of times we we sit there and we go like, man, I'm sad. Like, well, why are we sad? Well, basically, said the reason why we're sad is because of hopelessness.
0: Mm.
1: Hopelessness pushes us into a state of sadness.
0: Wow.
1: Where because if we don't feel like there is a, a way out or a way to solve our problem, then we we feel sad. We have a you know state of hopelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, but this particular individual said, um, well, the way out of hopelessness the way to interpret that is our ignorance. Like if the way to solve our hopelessness is to find a solution
0: that's so interesting.
1: to improve our ignorance and to take us out of that ignorance. Mm-hmm. And when we take ourselves out of the ignorance and we see a path uh, or a plan, well then now we're not as hopeless. Sure. And since we're not as hopeless, we move out of a state of sadness into a state of hopefulness or hopefully a state of happiness, right? right. Uh, a little more joy there. But I, I, I bring that up just because that's part of the journey. It's like, You'll, you'll sit there and you'll notice like, man, I just feel down today. Like, why am I down? And and you start looking at all the things you need to do or trying to do. And it's just like, oh, I don't feel like I have a clear path. I don't feel like Mm -hmm. I have a clear direction. And then recognizing that, well, I just need to go learn more. Mm -hmm. I just need to go understand more Mm -hmm. to get out of this, whatever, you know, get out of ignorance of whatever I'm trying to solve. Well, then all of a sudden the path becomes clear. Absolutely. And and that could look in a I mean that could look like me figuring that out directly and going and learning that myself, or it could look like going to someone else and have them figure it out for you. Mm-hmm. Like there's other ways to get out of that state, but um, oh. you know, you're sitting there and you find the right person that can do that for you. Well, now the past created. So you went from a state of hopelessness, like I don't know how I'm gonna get this done to, oh, hey, that person's gonna do that for me.
0: So good, man. So, yeah. You are laying down some wisdom <laughs> today. It's great stuff. So, um, let, let's go ahead and talk to that person uh, or individual group of individuals that are sitting out there. They're they're beginning their entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. Uh, and you and I both know when you start, man, you are fired up, right? But once you get a, a collective mass of no's or people who seem disinterested in your business or idea, it can be discouraging. Mm-hmm. So what kind of advice would you give uh, a just starting entrepreneur that finds themselves a little down in the dumps about how things are going on that journey?
1: Yeah. yeah, And it's, it's not just about the rejection and the no's, like for me anyways. It's also like the time, the timeline and the time frame. Oh, for like sure. I look at it as like a runway. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and if I could have done things differently at, at different times, um, there were times that I wish I would have had like a continual, you know, income stream, whether if that was in the form of a job or, or a partnership with somebody else while I was trying to build my own thing mm-hmm. in order to lengthen that runway. There's too many times that I feel like I just, you know, cut off one and then I set myself up a runway and then it's like I either got to get this plane off the ground or not, mm-hmm. right? And just that thought alone, for me, it's different for everybody. As I think, but I think this is important to consider: like, what kind of person are you? Like, do you get motivated by that, or do you do you start to like pull back from that, right? And and for me, it's motivating in the beginning, but as that runway gets shorter and shorter and shorter, like it really starts to press on me a yeah. lot, right? Yeah. It it just. I think I use the word kind of paralyzing because you just feel like there's nothing I can do right now that will lengthen that runway. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the negative thoughts that goes through my head. It's not yeah. the correct negative thought. I'm not right. saying that, but it's one of them, and it it just leaves you in a state of like, what do I do right now in order to get that runway mm-hmm. lengthened? So, when you feel so like do
0: you like one of the things I try to do in that moment is just flip the script, right? Yeah. Um, because we are always so quick to remind ourselves of ways that we came up a little short. Uh, and then when someone says, Hey Brock, you did a great job. We just kind of shrug it off as, you know, well, I was lucky or, oh, I'm blessed. And and, yeah. and I believe in blessing and I believe in provision, but I believe in hard work too. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, uh, I think that at some point we, we have to start celebrating the things that went right or that are going right, Yep. kind of get our
1: focus off the things that aren't yep.
0: right. Yep. yep. Um, so, and, and, and that's essentially what you said there. Uh, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and and I'm working with a a coach right now that's really like helping me with this mindset side, because I really feel like back to your question, like having the right mindset, I think is like kind of the make or break point. Mm -hmm. It's not the only thing, but even if you've got all of the mechanics correct, if you don't have that mindset, right, it's going to hurt. It's going to struggle. Right. And so one of the exercises that, that she took me through was, you know, when you have that negative thought, first you recognize that, that, okay, this is a you know self-inflicting negative thought. Um, but then you, once you recognize that, then you replace that with something like you were saying, like something positive mm-hmm. that happened and not just, um, you know, like, oh yeah, I enjoyed spending time with my kids yesterday or whatever that positive thought may be, but like really like live that, mm-hmm. like go back to it and picture like how it felt. So I did this exercise with her and then she's like, well, how do you feel now? I'm like, Oh yeah, I feel pretty good. You know, like it's amazing. It's amazing how we can control our physiological emotional state just by changing the way that we're thinking and what we're thinking about. It is, and that's that's a whole other topic and a subject. And I really like enjoy talking about those things. But when I think about someone who's just getting started out, I I just can't overemphasize enough how much they need to be prepared mentally and emotionally. To be able to handle these ups and downs, yeah. Uh, Because if 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 you find yourself the person that you know, once you're down, you just can't hardly get up. It's going to be a very difficult journey.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, last question: What do you believe sets most digital marketing, at least successful digital marketing? Campaigns. Let me learn to speak for a second. Uh, apparently, <laughs> my articulation <laughs> stops. Right? Uh, I, I'm, I'm the Cinderella pumpkin here, I think. Um, so what do you believe sets most successful digital marketing campaigns apart from the rest? Because right now, I mean, if you look at, at Bud Light, you look at a lot of these other companies, you know, they had social media marketing campaigns that were really challenging culture, or at least trying to push culture in a direction. And now sometimes, and now they're definitely experiencing some backlash from those efforts. And so I would imagine that successful digital marketing really um, is sort of a balance that you have to find. Um, What sets those successful ones apart from the ones that people just kind of poo-poo on?
1: Yeah. So I, I, I'm not going to speak to like a national brand or national campaign, and right and what say, should or shouldn't have done because I I haven't been there. But but I think that this question still applies to a, to a local business in that I think the answer is just to be completely authentic and true to themselves. Mm, okay. I think the business landscape is is changing so much, mostly because of our online presence that when, when you have a customer that, that doesn't know who they want to do business with, Mm -hmm. they're going to decide who they're going to do business with based off of how much they know, like, and trust that person. And the digital landscape, uh, our our online world that we now live in creates that opportunity now more than ever. Wow. Right. So in the past it would have been, Oh yeah, I'm looking for, you know, you pick whatever service you're you're looking for. You look in the you'd open up the phone book and go find that phone number. And you assume that, well, if they're in the phone book, then there must be pretty trustworthy. Sure. So I'm going to call him and have him come check out my stuff. Um, now it's switched to like, Oh yeah, well, let's see. Um, I'm pick a, you know, roofing, um, pick a roofing. Niche. So like, I need a roofer and come in, but like, okay, who's actually running that company? Uh, let me go see what he talks about online and like, see if I actually like believe in what he believes in. Mm-hmm. And, I feel like so. Back to your you know example with this national campaign that kind of went what bust. Like I don't feel like they were completely true to their brand and true to their audience, sure. right? And I think that's why it backfired in their sure. you know, in the face. Well,
0: and one of the things that I learned um, in one of my graduate programs when I was earning my master's degree to become a school principal um, was a great quote by a Canadian educational researcher by the name of Michael Follin. Um, and it's a very simple quote, but it's, he said, change is a process, not an event. Mm. Right. And so it seems like people who honor the process of change get a very, very different return back from people who try to introduce grand change as an event. Mm. Right. And, and I think that that relates to a lot of our entrepreneurs. As well. Yeah. Change is a process, not an event. And so a lot of the stories we share out of Business Radio X are, well, I started it as a side gig and things got successful and I went full time. Very similar to your experience. Sure. Right. Um, and so I, I think there might be something there. Uh, but uh, when when so what I'm hearing you say, then, is it's really authenticity mm. that sets these successful campaigns apart from others.
1: Yeah. Uh, authenticity, not only like to the customers that they're serving, but like, especially like to themselves. Mm-hmm. And like, like as an example, there, there's this guy on, on the internet, on YouTube. I see him like he makes a living going out to businesses and throwing plungers up onto their signs outside. Mm-hmm. So like you literally watch his TikTok, You watch, watch his reels. He literally has a handful of his plungers and his goal is to stick these plungers. He throws them oh. and sticks them onto the sign. Oh my gosh! And, and what I'm trying to say is there's no way that dude would have been able to make that living 10 years ago doing <laughs> no, that, no. uh, you know, or 20 years ago. Like th- this is the transition we're making. And what I'm trying to say is I don't know why he loves to throw blunchers. Mm-hmm. Okay. But who am I to say you shouldn't throw blunchers? Right. So if that's what gets him fired up and gets people that he working with fired up by all means do yeah. it. But you know, as, as soon as he changes, you know, that and, and tries to put, let's just say a different type of content on that channel, Uh then you have that disconnect. Sure. Right. And that's what I'm trying to say. So you've got to like, as a, as a local business owner, I think now you've also got to be more than willing than ever to like, to put yourself out there Uh for the purpose of connection, right? It's, it's not like a, It shouldn't be, anyways. A well, I have to do this in order to like grow my business. No, it should be. I have to do this because I want other people to connect with me, Mm -hmm. and this is the way that people are connecting. And and that the pandemic pushed us to that point more than ever. You know, there's more people who are buying online now than there were before. There's more people that are searching online now than ever before, Mm -hmm. and and specifically with local, like like that's where the big change was. Mm -hmm. There was there was always that search prior to. Ah, uh, when it came to like national stuff, when Amazon or whatever, um. But now you have like, I need to find that local business, mm-hmm. and that that's the way they're doing it now.
0: It makes so much sense, Brock. You've been incredibly generous with your time today. As we uh, begin to close this conversation up, why don't you tell our audience how they can learn more about you, follow you on their socials, and and support what you're doing?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, so fightforyoursite.com site.com is the website. Uh, I've got a phone number up there. Um, you can fill out a form as well, but I'm, I'm, I'm open to texts, uh, open to phone calls. You can just reach out to me directly. Um, would love to sit down and whether if it's, you know, I, I don't drink coffee, but we can sit down and have coffee, yeah. uh, or have lunch or whatever. Um, other than that, yes, the socials, um, those are some things that I'm still working on as well. Uh, okay. we, we talked about this. Prior, like I'm just now getting up and launched. So I'm about to get some YouTube content running out mm-hmm. and some other content running. Um, but those would be places you could find me. As well.
0: Okay. Fantastic. Well, uh, Brock, anything you want to say as we begin to sign off and, and, and just maybe a parting thought you want to leave people that are digesting this episode.
1: Oh man, that's such a loaded question. Um, I feel like we talked about so much. I, I, my biggest thing is, or at least right now, like, like in my life is, there's always going to be like something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I don't think it's ever going to be easy. Hmm. Um, no matter, I mean, it may, maybe it appears, maybe it is ever someone, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but right. <laughs> it's not ever going to be easy. And I think that going into it with that mindset is the right mindset. Like recognizing that, Oh, you know, I don't know, just having this thought of like, Oh yeah, starting your business is, is is fun and, and a good thing. And like that, that's true. Like that can be true, but it's going to be hard. It is. Some way, somehow, it's going to be hard. It's mm-hmm. going to push you and challenge you. I, I would say, I would like to say that, like, I think everybody should be an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I, I think, like, everybody should be an entrepreneur, like, at the right time.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. Because right? there is a time and a place. There's a
1: time and a place. And and I think for the person out there that's like, man, I really want to, I don't know if they want to quit their job or do something different or, like, whatever. You know, great, 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 great. great. But find the right time. Yeah and then I have to go back and say, well, there's never going to be a right time, but I think you can optimize that right time if you do it strategically. And mm-hmm. if, if you try to like plan out and think it out, and that means just, you know, finding answers to those, that ignorance that you have, you know, finding, um, some, some solutions prior to, before you just completely shut everything off and say, Oh, I've got this. Um, so I, let me go back. I don't think there's ever a right time. Right. But I think there's a more optimized time than there could be. And so try to find that time and then, Make it happen that's awesome
0: brock we got to hear more from you brother I, there, and just know that there's an open invitation for you to come back when you want awesome. to because love listening to you just felt like there was wisdom pouring out from start to finish so thanks so much for coming and spending your time especially this uh, hot afternoon yeah, at business radio x uh for the rest of us my name is adam robison you've been listening to another episode of northwest arkansas business radio and we will see you next time